0: Hello, welcome back to the Georgia Daily Fitness Podcast. Today's episode is a recording from a call that I did with my clients last night, and it's all about how to stick to your diet. So, if you've been struggling with fat loss, there are some absolute gems in here for you. Before we get started, make sure you are following my podcast if you've been enjoying it so far, and would like to be alerted when new episodes become available which you know dropping them on a weekly basis so you want to stay on top of that and give it a five star rating because that would just be really nice so yeah enjoy the episode and feel free to reach out on social media instagram or facebook if you have any questions off the back of this today's presentation is as you probably guessed all about actually sticking to your diet in the long term and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because what like what we see so often in the industry is when people go on a fat loss journey, they'll lose the weight, but as many, I think it's as 90% of people will put the weight back on, which is pretty mental. So it's really important that weight loss is done in a way that is realistic to your lifestyle, that it's enjoyable and that is it's sustainable in the long run, not just for six to eight weeks. So that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Creating a way of eating that works for you and how to effortlessly stick to it. What I'm going to do is basically run through a bit of the basic science of fat loss for anyone who doesn't already know or needs a bit of a reminder, just so you have that context that you need, because I think it's really important that you actually have the knowledge to understand, you know, why I'm giving you the tips that I'm giving you, rather than just kind of being told what to do and blindly following it, or blindly following a calorie target. So... In order to lose body fat, you need to be in a calorie deficit. That is undisputed science. And you've probably heard every Tom, Dick and Harry talk about this on social media. But what does it actually mean? So a calorie deficit is where you burn more calories than you consume. And a lot of people ask me, oh, like, what about things like keto or juice diet, intermittent fasting? Do they not work then if a calorie deficit is the only way you can lose body fat? But actually, they are all just methods of creating a calorie deficit. So as an analogy, the requirement to be in a calorie deficit for fat loss is a bit like the requirement to travel to get to your place of work. But whether you walk, drive, get the bus, get a taxi, these are all your different ways of getting there. And since you're going to be doing it every day for a long time, you need to consider what is most realistic to your lifestyle. So thinking about energy levels, time, money. And the exact same goes for the method that you choose to create a calorie deficit. So what's going to be realistic in the long run? So looking at this graph, sorry if you're listening on the podcast, but looking at this graph here, if you burnt 2,300 calories, but only consumed 1,800 in a given day, you'd be in a calorie deficit of 500 calories. And if you were in a deficit of 500 calories per day for a week, you'd lose roughly a pound of fat because we know that about 3,500 calories equals one pound of fat. And I think something that people get confused with is how many calories they burn in a day and therefore how their calorie deficit is worked out. So to give you an idea of this, every day you're gonna burn a certain amount of calories, even if you did absolutely nothing, like didn't move from your bed because around 60% of your daily calorie burn comes from your BMR, which is your basal metabolic rate. And this is basically all of the internal bodily processes that happen even if you don't move. So breathing, blood circulation, cell production, all of the life-sustaining functions, they actually require a lot of energy. So this is gonna differ from person to person, um, but it's gonna account for about 1,000 to 2,000 calories per day, depending on your gender, weight, genetics, et cetera. Then about 15% of your daily calorie burn will come from NEAT. So that's non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So any movement that you do that isn't planned exercise. So that could be typing, fidgeting, walking, cooking. Then 10% will come from TEF, which stands for thermic effect of food. So that is the energy required to digest and process the food you eat. And then only about 5 to 10% will come from exercise, which for most people is is lower than you probably thought. Um, It is gonna vary from person to person. Certainly if you're an endurance athlete, it's gonna be higher, Um, but this is the average. So the takeaway here is that you don't have as much control over your daily calorie burn as you probably think. And yes, walking, moving more, exercising will definitely help, but about 70% of your daily energy expenditure is out of your control. However, when it comes to your calorie intake, you are in 100% control of that because that is purely what you consume. So, this is why when it comes to fat loss, I would always encourage you to focus mostly on your diet because you have so much more control over your calorie intake versus your calorie expenditure. So, with that in mind, I'm now going to talk you through the 10 ways that you can improve your chances of sticking to your calorie deficit. Now, these aren't things that you have to do, but You know, there isn't a one size fits all approach to fat loss other than the fact that you need to be in a calorie deficit. Everyone is going to respond differently to different methods. But these are basically just really helpful tools and mindset tips that have been shown to help the majority of people. So you can basically just use them as and when needed. So the first one, non-negotiables and painless swaps. So with non-negotiables, one thing I want you to think about is what food and drinks do you enjoy the most in your day? What gives you the most satisfaction? Maybe it's your morning cappuccino. Maybe it's your after dinner chocolate bar. Any conventional diet would probably tell you to cut these out. You know, it's sugar, it's calories. You don't need it. But actually, I would say the opposite because the studies tell us that the more satisfaction and enjoyment you get from your diet, the more likely you are to adhere to it in the long term so if you cut out all the things you enjoy guess what you might be able to stick to it for like a few weeks or few months at a push but at some point the floodgates are going to open and cue overeating and taking yourself back to square one so what do we do instead what I would suggest is identifying your painless swaps so what food and drinks do you eat on a regular basis that you won't miss if you cut out or swap for something lower calorie maybe you actually don't care for your morning cappuccino and you could just as easily swap it for a black coffee with a splash of milk. Maybe you have scrambled eggs every day and you could swap the eggs for just egg whites or cheese for lighter cheese. I personally wouldn't do that because I love like mature, strong, full fat cheddar. So that would be like my non-negotiable, but for you, it could be different. So everyone is going to be different. And this is why I wouldn't trust a diet that has like a one size fits all approach or a cookie cutter meal plan because it doesn't take into consideration what sparks joy into your day. So with this, the first thing I would do is just keep a food diary and uh, identify your non-negotiables and your painless swaps and then go from there. Cool. So next one is eating mindfully. So with your non-negotiables that we've just discussed, obviously as much as you want to be having them, we don't want to be having them in abundance with a goal of fat loss. So we do need to control portion size, which brings me on to my second tip, eating mindfully. And employing mindfulness tactics will help you to appreciate and enjoy smaller portions and to avoid overeating. So who here would find it difficult to not smash a whole bag of chocolates once they've been opened? I think that's most people, certainly myself. <laughs> so, this is the sort of situation where it, would, it really would be important to be mindful. So, instead of grabbing that whole big bag of chocolate and sitting in front of the TV and devouring the whole thing without even realizing or barely enjoying it, take two squares of the chocolate or a small portion of it, bring it into a room where there are no distractions. And focus on the taste, the smells, and just being present and enjoying it in the moment. So try to avoid eating while scrolling, watching TV, working, because the research suggests that this is going to impair your hunger cues and lead to overeating without even realizing. And then another good one in terms of mindfulness is just being aware of the law of diminishing returns, which is the idea that you get the most enjoyment from the first bite of chocolate or the first slice of pizza or the first glass of wine and then it basically gets less and less enjoyable with every subsequent one so when considering whether to eat more or not ask yourself what will the next bite give me that the previous one didn't and more often or not, more often than not the answer is not a lot Um, and then the 20 minute rule so I've I've gone on about this one quite a lot so you might have heard me talk about it before um but it's basically where you set a 20 minute timer and the rule is you can't eat within that 20 minute period, but afterwards you can eat what you want. And the beauty of this is more often than not, the cravings will have subsided or you'll at least have clarity to make a better and like less impulsive decision if you do eat. So this just helps you again, to be more mindful of your hunger cues. And then just remember that you can't control your thoughts and feelings, but you can control your response. So cultivating that pause, which is what the 20 minute rule does, rather than just acting impulsively, will always lead to a much better outcome. Okay, next one. So opting for a regular eating pattern. Studies have basically shown that irregular eating patterns, especially delayed eating, is associated with episodes of overeating and binge eating. So if you're someone who doesn't really have a set meal structure every day, you have meals at a different time. Sometimes you snack, sometimes you don't. This means you're much more likely to eat more. So, more calories, more food, especially if you end up having long periods of not eating. Um, And there was a study actually that basically illustrated this where they got two groups of people. One group ate for, didn't eat for six hours before tucking into a buffet. And the other group, they ate something small one hour before the buffet. And the second group ate way less the people who had had a small meal an hour before. not just at the buffet, but overall across the day when you're taking into consideration their calories. So the research tells us that regular eating patterns, i.e. eating every few hours, not having too long a gap, significantly reduces overeating and correlates with lower body weight. The most effective structure was said to be three meals and two snacks every day with no eating in between. But obviously that doesn't mean that's definitely what's going to work for you. just shows what works for most people. And of course, there's always going to be that small minority of people that find intermittent fasting works really, really well for them. But generally, this does seem to work in the short term. And for most people, like majority, it's not sustainable in the long term. So the main thing here is just to try and avoid long periods of like without eating. Okay, next one is to add rather than subtract from your diet. So. A couple of practical examples of this if you really really fancy a cookie instead of saying no i can't eat the cookie the cookie is bad because i'm trying to lose weight just give yourself permission to have the cookie but consider adding a source of protein and fiber for extra nutrients and just to make it as filling as possible so then you're less likely to binge later on if you fancy a big bowl of pasta just add some lean meat or some tuna or something in, maybe load it up with veg to bulk it out. And again, just make it more filling and health focused. Now, this might seem a bit counterintuitive because obviously that's going to be adding more calories into the meal or into the snack. But the studies show us that that will then reduce the amount that you eat later on because you're more full, you're more satisfied. As a result, you're less likely to binge. Um, and of course you don't need to do this 100% of the time sometimes you're just going to want to have that cookie Um, but more often than not you want to focus on having a kind of well-balanced meal which is going to help you to keep up the momentum with your healthy habits and also lead to better decisions later on okay next one is to reduce variety so how many of you guys have saved recipes on tiktok or instagram and never ever went back to them and actually made them because I think that's, again, the majority of people from uh, from the people I've spoken to. And I would suggest you stop doing that. <laughs> stop trying to reinvent the wheel. The fact is most people eat the same maybe like 10 to 15 meals on repeat, but maybe with slight variations. So take advantage of this and e- identify what those meals are for you. Understand what portion sizes you need to have to align with your goals. And then just make them on repeat. Like 10 to 15 mils is is quite a lot. So, I mean, for some people, three or four mils is enough. But, and obviously this doesn't mean you can't ever have something else. Like the point of this isn't to restrict you, but actually to make your life easier. It's going to reduce decision fatigue and therefore uh, increase consistency. And as a bonus benefit of this, when you do eat something different because obviously you are more than welcome to eat something different whenever you want um when you finally get around to making one of those tiktok videos you know recipes or you go out for dinner you are going to enjoy it so much more okay next one is to optimize your environment so it's really important to be aware of the fact that as humans we like to choose the path of least resistance so if it's easy to make a healthy meal because you've got the ingredients in you've planned in advance, maybe you prepared in advance, you're going to do it. If it's easy to get the steps in because you've put 30 minutes aside in your diary to do it, maybe you've got an audiobook you really want to listen to, you're going to do it. But on the flip side, if it's easy to tap onto Deliveroo and order a pizza, you're going to do it. And if it's easy to grab some chocolates from the cupboard, then yeah, you're going to do it. So your environment will dictate success, it really will. And I just wanted to give you a few tips to make sure your environment is optimal for your goals. So firstly, keep treats out of easy access. Either don't buy them and just commit to going to the shops if you really want something or put them on a shelf that you can't easily reach. Because I know a lot of you have kids or you know other people in the house that um, the treats are for. So you still want to have them in the house. But honestly just pop them on like a higher shelf or above a cupboard somewhere you can't easily reach and you know we're very very lazy so um you will probably be less likely to have the treats if they're not in like easy access if they're not easy to grab um another tip on this is just to make it as easy and appealing as possible so do a healthy food shop at the beginning of the week so it's easy to eat well um Or, I mean, this one isn't diet related, but, you know, when it comes to working out, for example, buy yourself some really nice gym clothes that you get excited to wear or get a nice or get like um, a motivating workout playlist ready. Again, it just makes it as appealing as possible to get it done. Um, And another one is if your partner isn't very supportive get rid (laughs) no i'm joking but have a conversation with them and just try and help them to understand you know talk about your why and this could be your housemates as well get them on board um if they're one for getting a takeaway at the weekend get your own fake away ingredients in advance and you're sorted um okay next one making decisions in advance so touched on it already but making dietary decisions in advance is a bit of a game changer what i would always do I would recommend you do is plan your meals at the beginning of each week. You don't need to be super rigid with it. So you don't need to be like on Monday morning, I'm going to have this lunchtime. I'm going to have this dinner. I'm going to have this like, cause that's the the likelihood of you sticking to that is pretty low. Um, so yeah, you don't need to be super rigid with it. So maybe what you could just do is write down a handful of meals you're going to make for that week, get the ingredients in. This is just going to make your life so much easier because If you actually just decide what you're going to eat on the spot, you're going to be super impulsive. You're going to make suboptimal decisions. You know, if if, if lunchtime comes around and you're absolutely starving, what's going to be more appealing? Is it the healthy salad that you've already made or is it, you know, insert unhealthy takeaway or ready meal that you've got in your freezer? Okay, next one is improving your mood. So have you ever noticed how when you're in a good mood, everything just feels so much easier? you have a better perspective on things, obstacles don't feel as significant, motivation is higher, basically you're more likely to get shit done and achieve your goals. Now obviously you can't always be in a good mood, that is unrealistic, Um, but there are things you can do to increase the likelihood of you being in a good mood more often. And I think it's also with this quite important and empowering to acknowledge that you're not a victim of your mood and you actually have far more control over it than you think so if you can do these little things to try and impact your mood um you'll see a big difference so just things like daily exercise consuming a high quality diet getting in fresh air and natural light improving your sleep quality practicing gratitude limiting alcohol and listening to music they're all really good ones Now, the hard part with this is if you want to improve your mood, you'll have to do these things even when you don't want to. In fact, especially when you don't want to, Um, because the fact is, and I've spoken about this a lot before, but motivation comes and goes like it's fickle. You can't really you can't rely on it. But what you can uh, control is you taking action, even if you don't feel like it. And when you take action, that's where motivation comes from so yeah if you if you're waiting to to feel like doing it you'll struggle to get anywhere okay next one is focus on making your bad days better rather than your good days perfect so most people can eat well in the week that's not usually the issue so instead of throwing your energy into being absolutely perfect monday to thursday focus on being a bit better friday to sunday or whatever your bad days are obviously everyone has different lifestyle and and things going on but identify your days or occasions that tend to be where you find yourself maybe overeating or overdrinking and think about how you can just make them a little bit better so instead of sweating the small stuff like getting in the right amount of veg during your week like that's probably not what's holding you back but what is holding you back is probably how much you indulge on the Friday night and then let that continue until Monday morning. So for example, it's the little things. It's like, instead of being indulgent all day Saturday, could you have a really good breakfast, really good lunch, and then just be indulgent on Saturday night? Still make good decisions, but you know those little things will add up and make a big difference. Which brings me on to how you respond to going off track so most people will freak out when they have one bad day and they'll let it spiral into two three days maybe a week but the fact is it is never that one bad meal or bad day that has set you back you're not going to suddenly put on a pound of fat from an overindulgent day just doesn't happen that quickly. And yes, you might step on the scales and they might've gone up by a pound or two, but that doesn't mean you've put on a pound of fat. Your water weight is fluctuating all the time, which is why you can't pay too much attention to the scales in the short term. So instead of freaking out over how you might not have been perfect one day, or you might've had a bad day, just accept that you are human, you're not a robot, and that one bad day is not setting you back. But what is gonna set you back is the way you behave afterwards so again instead of you know having an over an indulgence saturday night and then just thinking oh well, whatever i've ruined the week now i may as well start again monday imagine if you never did that and you always committed to getting back on track on sunday morning like how much further ahead you would be the key is to keep moving forward you don't you're not always going to move forward at the pace you'd like because again you're human you're not a robot but if we can just keep That kind of forward momentum going you'll be sweet um and that is it that is all 10 thanks so much again guys for listening to this episode i really hope that you enjoyed it and were able to take away some useful tips do make sure you give it a share on social media or share it directly with anyone that you think might find it helpful thanks again and see you on the next one